Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Ophthalmology Podcast on all things ophthalmology brought to you by Mayo Clinic. I'm your host, Dr. Andrea Tooley. And I'm Dr. Eric Bothan. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in ophthalmology, medicine, and more. In today's episode, we're talking with Dr. Lily Wagner about multidisciplinary teams in ophthalmology at the Mayo Clinic, specifically oculoplastics. We will talk today about the thyroid eye clinic and other opportunities to collaborate in ophthalmology. Dr. Lily Wagner is Assistant Professor of Ophthalmology and specializes in oculofacial and orbital surgery. She's a co-founder of the Oculofacial Plastics Clinic here at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. She's also a member of the Thyroid Eye Disease Clinic. Dr. Wagner is involved in multiple clinical trials for thyroid eye disease. She's a member of the American Academy of Ophthalmology and Women in Ophthalmology. And welcome, Dr. Wagner. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we're excited about this session. Um, we're really looking forward to talking today about your experience and all of ours combined in that regard about multidisciplinary ophthalmology clinics. And all three of us take part in the thyroid eye disease clinic here at the Mayo Clinic and work together collaboratively on a weekly basis. But I'd like to start by a forte and a special interest you have in your oculofacial plastics clinic. So can just share with us or talk to us a little bit about where that idea came from, how you brought it together and what it's meant for care for patients in your services and our services here at the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, like a lot of ideas, this was born out of necessity. It took me about three years after I joined the staff at Mayo to realize that there's a need for such a clinic and then go through the administrative hurdles and logistics of actually getting it off the ground. I just had a lot of patients where I was scrambling to get plastic surgery involved because they came for their appointment with oculoplastics from far away. And then it just turned out whatever orbital fracture they had also involved some other facial trauma or other concerns they had about asymmetry of their cheekbones or an old nasal fracture that didn't quite heal right. And then we're so fortunate at Mayo that most of our colleagues are very willing to jump in last minute and you can just call them up and say, hey, I have this person who's coming from out of state. I really feel they would benefit from your input. And sometimes people can squeeze someone in the same day or the next day. Sometimes they can just look at their pictures and tell you what they think. But you know, it's not ideal. It's wonderful to get that input, but the patient will not have a formal treatment plan and surgical plan set up, even if you can get those curbside consults, which we're so spoiled to be able to get those. Because of that, I started to work closely with one of the facial plastic surgeons so that we would have a little more direct line to each other. And we knew that's my go-to person and they're having the same problem. They're seeing patients with fibrous dysplasia or other kind of either chronic diseases or acute things like trauma that affect their face. And they realize when they're sitting in the chair, this is really affecting the eyelid region and I'm not 100% sure how to manage that and are left with trying to get them in with us last minute. So that was a good step forward to have one person that you collaborate with. But uh, at some point we sat down together and say, hey, how great would it be if we just have a day a month where we're actually pre-reviewing charts and identifying patients who may benefit from this. And we're actually both seeing them on the same day and then meet with them in the afternoon and go over the plan together. And then we have an OR day where we work together and do these cases together. 
And that's how it all started. Just a lot of last minute scrambling and trying to figure out how to make it better. And now we've had three of those clinics and it's been great. Share with me how imaging fits into this. Cause there's so many parts, patient comes in the room, you're evaluating them and you realize this is bigger than just ophthalmology. And the outcome for this patient is gonna involve other services and providers, but also imaging. How is it that you're able then to orchestrate all these pieces and even within ophthalmology testing, but imaging broadly, do they come in and, and have you set up a menu for them or do you go through charts ahead of time or how, how do you arrange this so that in a typical clinic, the patient leaves and you leave the experience with feeling like you've met all the needs and know the plan going forward? Yeah, so that is something that we have, I would say, 95% sorted out. It's not perfect, but we have a pretty good system. We have our list of indications in oculoplastic surgery, which we try to make as comprehensive as possible and include every single diagnosis and also synonyms why patients may call in to self-refer or other doctors may refer them for. There will be instructions for the scheduler whether this requires a chart review by one of the oculoplastic surgeons prior to scheduling and a lot of conditions to require that chart review so it makes our life a little bit difficult and gives us a little extra work at the end of the day but as you said when the patient actually shows up and they had an eight hour drive everything's teed up for them. We decided ahead of time if they need an MRI or a CT or consults with other specialties ahead of time. Ideally, the imaging is already done by the time we see them. Their old imaging is imported. The plastic surgery floor is set up with a great photography studio where patients get facial photographs from different angles, depending on the condition that you're trying to show. And we're able to review those photographs with the patient already during their visit, as well as their scans, which are instantly uploaded in our system. So that is a huge part of it for sure, to pre-review, make sure all this imaging is set up. They sometimes need other consultations. If they're cancer patients, they may need to see head and neck surgery, or medical or radiation oncology. So we do have those other specialties available ad hoc in the oculofacial plastics clinic if they're needed based on the chart review. And for sure, if you don't have those information pieces available, you're not gonna be able to tell the patient what the plan is gonna be at the end of the day. And it's very frustrating for them because they really come with the hope that their problem is gonna get solved in that day, or at least they're gonna have an outlook. They're gonna be a few options that they can choose between before they go home. So that's a huge key element. And yep, it's all about lots of old medical records, chart review, trying to anticipate everything. And like I said, 95% of the time we're good once in a while. A little piece is missing and that's okay. We can usually get it last minute or just tell the patient, go back home and we'll call you once we have that piece in case it changes any of the plan, we'll let you know. You've done such a good job orchestrating all of the administrative parts of this besides the physician aspect of it. And I think we've learned a lot from the thyroid eye disease clinic. We, I'm really excited to talk to three of us about what our experience with that has been. Talk to us a little bit about how you see these multidisciplinary clinics because there's lots of potential types of multidisciplinary clinics in ophthalmology, not just oculoplastics, but how can these be integrated into a private practice setting versus an academic setting? Because I think that us being in academics here at Mayo, it makes it a little bit easier 
And I can see this fitting into other academic institutions better, but is this even an option in private practice? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I did my fellowship in private practice and we were in a strictly oculoplastics practice. So even getting other subspecialties of ophthalmology to see a patient required us to go outside of our group. We were in a large medical building. So there were all kinds of other specialties that had practices there that my fellowship mentor had built relationships with over the years. So for our thyroid eye disease patients, there was a strabismus surgeon in the building that he worked with closely. There was a endocrinologist and a rheumatologist who actually was in charge of any systemic anti-inflammatory treatment. So we had our system set up, but it definitely wasn't ideal. There were a lot of hurdles in private practice. Our eye medical record, IEHR, did not communicate at all with the hospital EHR or the EHR of these other practices. So it was all the front desk trying to get paper records faxed over. And even though I was in the same building, they were almost never there when we needed them. When the patient then went downstairs to see the other doctor, they didn't know what we'd done. They also didn't really understand the ophthalmology notes and what we meant with our exam findings and abbreviations. So definitely a lot of hurdles in terms of just communication, different specialists understanding each other, even if the records were there, and then just the logistics of getting the records there and getting the patient scheduled on the same day. Oftentimes the strabismus surgeon had his surgery day when we had our office day to see the patient. So the thyroid eye disease patients who came from a large area, I was in the Bay Area and some of them flew in from Hawaii. It was very tough to get them seen on the same day by two people, let alone three or four. I'm definitely familiar with those hurdles in private practice. I do think there's a huge potential, even outside of oculoplastics. We're used to multidisciplinary treatment, right? We're in fellowship learning to do endoscopic surgery with ENT colleagues, or maybe we do some cases with neurosurgery. We manage patients with GCA, with rheumatology. So we definitely get that multidisciplinary need and also how to set it up. I do think in other areas of ophthalmology, for sure, people need that as well. Things like PUK, where you need a rheumatologist to start aggressive systemic treatment. And then, of course, Eric, in pediatric ophthalmology, there are a lot of genetic conditions that involve strabismus, where you want to work with the developmental pediatrician to figure out when is the timing right to do surgery in this child? How does this affect their overall development? So I think all aspects of ophthalmology have a need for this and have patients that would benefit from multidisciplinary treatment. I think there's for sure a lot of systemic barriers that you will have in private practice that hopefully our industry partners who develop EHRs will be aware of and try to work on so we can have better electronic communications and we're not still sending faxes back and forth that may or may not arrive or be legible. I mean, I think that was a huge hurdle that I experienced in private practice, just the exchange of information, which is really a systemic thing that as physicians, we can only impact so much. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah, I, I agree too. And many of the things you're describing are, are, as you say, systemic aspects of how we implement our care and our schedules are beyond our control in certain situations. In the spectrum of, we're all on the same 
EMR, or maybe we're not, and we're sending notes back and forth to each other, to on the other end of this spectrum, going beyond just, I'm going to page you after I see this patient, to a matter of sitting down together at the end of a morning and everyone going through chart by chart together. Share with me, Lily, your experience, because I will talk about the thyroid eye clinic, but in your experience, where on that spectrum, and maybe it's the more you do, the more fun it is, but where on the spectrum do you feel that your joy in providing care through knowledge expansion, collaboration, and the impact on, on the patient's what would your comment be about that continuum? Because I feel like some things we do, it's, it doesn't really change. And then there's a certain level of collaboration that we reach where I feel like it, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And just, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Because what should a team seek as they're trying to set up multidisciplinary care so that they reach a certain level of vibrancy? So for me, it's definitely that direct interaction. It can be on a phone call, even if I'm on the phone with a colleague and we're looking at the same scan on our computers or the same pictures. And I say, geez, you know, I have this person, it's so tough. They've already seen three other people. I just don't know what to do with them. Tell me what you think. And just having that direct interaction, that's not a formal exchange that's gonna be on the patient record. But picking someone else's brain and hearing directly from them in real time what they're thinking while the patient is sitting in your chair or when you're about to see them back, that is just really what I feel propels my quality of care forward and my satisfaction with my work. You know, the reason I joined Mayo Clinic is because it promises to give you all this opportunity for interdisciplinary care and it does and as we talked about you still have to maybe build the actual specifics around it yourself a little bit but the framework is there we're all in the same building we all have means of getting a hold of each other on the spot and the people who work there are willing most importantly to work with others That in itself, of course, it's rare. And even in academic institutions, ophthalmology departments are sometimes off campus in their own buildings. So ophthalmology kind of worked over the decades, it seems to separate themselves a little bit. Most ophthalmologists don't want to maybe work in a hospital kind of setting. They actually like the private practice aspect of things. I know for sure my mentors that I worked with in private practice, they love being independent run their own business, have their own philosophy and business model that that translates into and not be part of a big institution. As with so many things, I think we just have to find the right median, right? Where we can practice the way we feel is right, but also not isolate ourselves because we do have that certain, and it may be a small chair for most ophthalmologists, but there are patients where you are just dependent on other specialists and having that care coordinated is just light years beyond the patient having to see six different doctors and figure that out by themselves. So that direct interaction where you can just talk to each other, sit in a room together like we used to, now we have our thyroid eye disease meetings on Zoom, but you know that jump in technology and being able to meet virtually probably opens the door for a lot of people in private practice to actually have joint management and actually have a rheumatologist where they have a phone conference once a month and they say, hey, let's both collect cases where we feel we would benefit from each other's expertise. 
and we can share the records ahead of time and we have this meeting scheduled and we're going to go over them and then we're each going to schedule a follow-up appointment for that patient later and go over the shared plan with them. So that may be a version of a joint clinic that works in the outside world where it may not be realistic that the patient sees people in four different private practices on the same day and has their treatment recommendations the same afternoon, but maybe just having a virtual conference once a month where you review cases, go over potential challenges, treatment recommendations, and uh, then at least the patient has it all sorted out within two or three weeks rather than some of these patients we see who tell us they've been on an odyssey for six months trying to get all the information they need from the different specialists. It's wonderful to have this direct interaction in the same room eating lunch together is nice, but certainly virtual or just on the phone gives me that same benefit of feeling like I got a whole new perspective. I learned something from specialties that have a totally different background than me. They tell us that they actually love learning from ophthalmology because most other specialties know very little about what we do. And you can come up with just something innovative that none of the physicians in the group had thought about by themselves and present that to the patient. Yes. So much of this resonates with me for sure, Lily. I mean, we do a lot of the same things. We're both oculoplastics, but I see such a need for some of these multidisciplinary clinics in all of ophthalmology. I'm aching for this with some of my OCP patients, my pemphigoid patients, where I'm always calling dermatology, or even with our uveitis patients who need rheumatology all the time or, or oncology. You know, we see this with other specialties that do tumor boards. And just like you said, ophthalmology is a little bit isolated. And I think this is the future for patient care. And, and just like you said, I hope that EMRs kind of make the shift with us so that we can work together. So much of this, I think, has been really kind of optimized in our TED clinic, in our thyroid clinic, because that's what we've been doing the longest in terms of these multidisciplinary clinics. So let's chat the three of us. I was so excited to join the TED clinic when I got here, because just like you said, Lily, in fellowship, I had patients who would see their strap surgeon or see orthoptist downtown and then would have to come uptown to see us or their endocrinologist was at a totally different institution than we were for oculoplastics. And it was just a mess trying to coordinate that. And so I think it's better for patients, better for providers, if we can all get together. And so, yeah, let's chat about the TED clinic. I love the way it works for patients because they see all of us. They see oculoplastics, ENT, our endocrinology colleagues, they see Dr. Bothin for strabismus. And then we all meet together at lunch and chat about these patients. And that's where kind of the, that's the secret sauce, I think, just like you said, but you're right. All these virtual opportunities now with this new COVID virtual era, I think have opened this up for lots of people. So yeah, both of you, Dr. Bothin and Dr. Wagner, let's chat about our, our TED clinic experience. Cause I love it. Yeah, I can go first real quick. You know, I think our patients tell us all we need to know. I can't count the number of patients who sit in the chair at the end of the day and they almost start crying and they say, this is the first time since I started battling this a year ago that I understand what's happening to me. I feel the doctors understand what's happening to me and someone is actually offering me some kind of perspective what my life will look like after. And maybe we can't tell them that everything's gonna be fine and they're gonna just go back to normal, 
but at least they don't have this uncertainty of what is this condition, who can help me with it, what does treatment maybe look like, what does my final outcome maybe look like. So this is something we hear, I think, again and again, that patients say just having this joint group discussion for the very first time allowed them to grasp what is happening to them. So that is huge for me. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is why we do this. We're trying to help people. And even if you feel you did a great evaluation, you wrote a super note with all of the assessments and the, your CAS score, and you took all your measurements and pictures, but if the patient leaves and they don't feel like they know what's going on, you did nothing to help them. So this is the huge thing for me that just this feedback we get from patient is that not only do we enjoy doing this clinic because we get to chat with our colleagues and learn and feel like we're doing a good job, but they're actually telling us this makes a difference. Like this was the thing that I needed. Yeah, I so I echo that too. To me, the journey of patient education, sharing empathy, building a relationship with the patient, allowing us as a team to do that over time versus this box car. Now we're with endocrinology for a while. Now I'm going to be with the oculoplastics for the while. Oh, now I guess I got to go meet this strabismus person for a while. Oh, and then I got to go back. Being together from the beginning of the patient's care through every aspect, I think lays the foundation in relationship, communication, empathy for, so that the patients at each visit feel like they're getting one message from multiple inputs, one collimated group of information and they leave changed. And I, I just, I think Mayo does that better than any other place I've seen, but I think just the intentionality of spirit and expertise around delivering it on certain days that are thyroid eye disease days is transformational. And then the neat part for me is on days where a patient walks in that I didn't know was going to have thyroid eye disease, because of the years of being involved in collaborative work and sitting over lunches and talking, I feel like I can give the oculoplastics message a little bit better, even though I'm a strabismus guy. I think all of our bars rise together and we're sharing messages that are shared in approach and understanding and the patient gets a more unified, supportive journey. And your comments about emotion, I fully agree. There are so many things about thyroid eye disease that a patient would love to just take away. And even though we're going to holistically help them get better and resurrect or recover, restoring meaningful parts of their, or of their outcomes or challenges, it's rare, kind of like aging, to look back and go, well, I'm just like I was 10 years ago. No, there you, you can't always go back, but you can make them so much holistically better that their quality of life returns. And a lot of that is just in their own understanding and how these thyroid eye clinic teams deliver it is just wonderful. So I appreciate all of you two and everyone involved in our team approach. Endocrinology, I've learned so much from my colleagues. The low vision, the orthoptists, the, you know, how we collaborate on these teams, it to me probably is the most rewarding piece of a clinic that I do is when these work well together for the patients. They're the hardest patients to see on your own, and yet they're the most rewarding when we do it together. Yeah, this, Eric, I think you hit the nail on the head because these are such challenging patients. And 
you guys both touched on the quality of life and how it improves for patients when they have a whole healthcare team working together. But I think it improves the quality of life on the physician side of things too, because mm -hmm. for us, these can be really draining, really taxing patients when you're trying to coordinate care. And it's definitely more work up front to coordinate these multidisciplinary clinics, but then once they're in place and once you kind of have it as like a machine that's working well, it affects our quality of life so much better. And I look forward to these complex patients because I get to work with my colleagues and we get to chat and we get to learn. And it's also such a good environment to help increase the research that we're doing because you get to hear from people from all different views of a disease. I feel like our clinical trials are stronger. I feel like our research ideas are more robust because we're collaborating in that sense too. And that's a huge kind of untapped opportunity. I know, Lily, we've both talked about some research opportunities, just looking at multidisciplinary clinics and looking at patient outcomes, patient satisfaction and provider satisfaction. And that's a really untapped kind of area in healthcare. And I think that's kind of the future. Lily, do you want to talk more about that? Because I know that's been a passion and interest of yours. Yeah, the research side is a huge part of things. We just scratched the surface of that. For all busy clinicians, that's always a challenge. And that's the little cherry on top that we do when we have time in our minds and in our schedules. We've managed to do, I think, two or three research meetings between all of us where we get together on Zoom and talk about research ideas, but they've been so fruitful. It's just this hour where everybody's bubbling with things that we should look at, how we could do it, and others weigh in, and we end up with this list of 25 potential projects. And then, of course, we also pool resources of trainees and department support, which is a huge deal and makes a huge difference. If you're not left by yourself in your little ophthalmology department trying to figure out how am I going to tackle this project. So I just got an email yesterday from a medical student who was on a visiting rotation in ENT at Mayo a couple months ago. And our colleague, Janalee Stoken from ENT had approached me and said, hey, isn't there something thyroid eye disease related that we could have her do? She's going to be here for two months. She's super enthusiastic and would love to try to complete a project. And she just emailed me that she got her abstract accepted at an otolaryngology meeting where she's now going to talk about the value of collaboration between otolaryngologists and ophthalmologists in thyroid eye disease. This is also not just nice for our own CV to have these publications listed there, but the clinics allow us to work with other specialties also give this chance to advocate for ophthalmology and for eye diseases outside of our field. Very few ENT doctors are familiar with thyroid eye disease, how to surgically treat it. And maybe we should say our ENT colleagues are involved because we collaborate on, on endoscopic orbital decompressions with them. That's how they are involved. So just being able also to spread the word and get these other specialties on board and make them aware how patients suffer from the sequelae of this disease in term regards to their eye is huge. So for sure, the research aspect has been wonderful. I think we're in early stages. We have so much potential and our 
colleague Mario Stan in endocrinology has been dragging us all along with prospective clinical trials, which I think can also be a little bit intimidating for ophthalmologists to get a prospective clinical trial for a systemic drug for thyroid eye disease off the ground, because most of us may just not feel as comfortable to assess patients for potential risk for side effects and then monitor for those side effects and set up the IV infusions. It's just a little bit outside of our comfort zone, but at the same time, we're an integral part of those clinical trials because patients need assessments all the time. They need to be screened to see who's a candidate, who has the right severity and acuity of eye disease. So they certainly need us. So we should be sitting at the table and have our name on those trials and not just be the ophthalmologist that they send the patient to for their study visits. So for sure, I think it's been wonderful, both from the passive side of things, being able to just jump on a project and also bringing in your own ideas and then getting support from other maybe bigger departments and being able to actually get those projects off the ground where maybe if you were all by yourself, it would just linger on your list of good ideas. Lily, this has been outstanding. Just to talk through the rewards of what we do together collaboratively. In a wrap up, if you had uh, 30 seconds to give two or three points to a little uh, summary of this for a, a comprehensive ophthalmologist that really struggles in, in the care of certain patients, what would be your takeaway from this discussion of things to consider or things to try to collaborate within ophthalmology care for patients? I would think that number one is identify the patients that most commonly need collaborative care in your practice, whether you're peds, cornea, uveitis, retina, comprehensive, oculoplastics, you all have those patients and you know who they are. You feel a little bit lost when they come in. You may already be scared when you see it on the schedule because you know it's going to be outside of your comfort zone and you're going to need help and it's going to be hard to get that help. So identify those maybe two or three conditions where you most commonly identify that need. And then probably the next step would be to identify specialists in your area that maybe you've either worked with in the past or patients may tell you such and such person is my rheumatologist and they're doing a good job. I'm happy with them. And just reach out to those people and be honest because they're going to feel the same way. Other specialists are very scared of the eyes. They don't feel comfortable managing anything that has to do with the eyes. So just call them up and say, hey, I've identified this group of patients and this group of diagnoses. Would you be interested to collaborate with me? And then the last step would probably be to just set up some formal chance to interact, whether it's a Zoom meeting or a business lunch once a month, now that people may start to feel a little more comfortable with that again, or just a conference call where you share records ahead of time, review those cases, and potentially even set aside a couple hours in your clinic that overlap with a clinic day of this other person where people can actually come and see both of you the same day. So I think those three steps should be able to set a lot of ophthalmologists out in the community up to be able to provide a form of multidisciplinary care. I love these action items. Thank you so much, Dr. Wagner. It was wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You can find all episodes of the Mayo Clinic Ophthalmology Podcast on our website. Thank you for listening, and we definitely look forward to sharing more next week.